Hello everyone. A very warm welcome to all of you today on this Monday evening. Today we're going to speak to Mr. Atul Raja, a remarkable leader and a marketer with global experience. And he is here. Welcome Atul. Welcome to backstage. Hi Rushab, thank you so much. Well, as we speak, more and more people are joining us to listen to you live. Well, that's fantastic. Great. So to all our listeners, a very good evening to one and all. Welcome to our very own Startup and Career Show. And I am Rushab Mehta tuning in from Team Backstage. Atul is going to talk about the rising importance of marketing in a post-COVID world. Indeed, a very, very interesting topic. Atul, Atul spearheads the marketing activities of Wadwani Foundation globally. His career has been replicated with launching and managing leading FMCG brands like Airtel, Royal Challenge, Matisse, Tata Indicom, Videocon, Sensui, and Kenwood. He's got over 25 years of experience working across different organizations like Bharti Airtel, Tata Teleservices, Shaw Wallace, Videocon, Bennett, Bicon, and Devu. He's honed his marketing and managerial skills from Wharton Business School, University of Pennsylvania, Marcus Evans, London, ISP Hyderabad, IM Bangalore, and Tata Management Training Center, Pune. Well, Atul, so, so glad to have you on Backstage today. And I'm sure students are going to learn a lot while interacting with you. Thank you again, Rusha. And uh, thanks to all your listeners and participants uh, for taking time out to attend this session. Great, Atul. So we'll begin. Yeah. And, you know, so what led you to get into marketing in the first place? If you could share your journey over the years and how did it all start? Yes. Uh, so what led me to get into marketing? Well, uh, that was a long time ago. But I remember two distinct drivers very clearly. One was my predilection towards advertising, watching the commercials. And I was always very curious and charmed as to what's, what's the behind the scenes story behind all this advertising that is going on. And the second was my flair for communication especially my interest in expressing myself with writings. So these two things combined together, you know, generated some kind of an interest in marketing. And I wanted to pursue that as a career. And since then, you know, it's been a very long journey since then. It all started with the Times of India almost three decades back when I walked into the organization as a management trainee. Uh, in fact, that was my induction into the world of business and more mm -hmm. importantly, into the world of marketing. So my career and marketing journey actually started in the media world and it gave me great insights into how the advertising and revenue business in the media works actually, right? From then on, it's been like a straight line, um, uh, working my way through assiduously through higher echelons of marketing, learning the ropes along the way, spending the past decade in leadership positions, and building, nurturing, and sustaining a plethora of brands. So that, in a nutshell, is uh, the journey, Rushab. So, so Atul, that's an interesting thing. You mentioned it's a straight line, but if I were to, uh, you know, plot it on on a chart. I would, yeah. uh, it, it would appear as a one step ahead every time that you made certain moves, right? And you've yeah. launched so many different brand, brands across industries. So, 
uh, Atul, if you could talk about uh, the challenges, the learnings that you could share uh, since right. you've done across different industries, right? And and you've seen how this industry evolved over the years. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yes, you're right. Uh, so, you know, it hasn't been a straight line as far as your question is concerned. But, uh, you know, marketing, it has been a straight line. And I have been a firm believer uh, throughout my career that marketing is sector agnostic, right? Mm. And I still feel that employers who insist on hiring marketing resources, saying whether you have uh, experience in my industry or you don't have that experience, I think they're committing a mistake because marketing is all about getting a fresh line of thinking, getting fresh eyeballs, you know, and coming up with something out of the box. So um, coming back to your question, yes, working across different sectors is not easy. It's in fact a very uncomfortable decision uh, to make. Uh, But then the brighter side is that different organizations and different sectors provide very diverse learnings, right? And my movements Mm -hmm. from media to consumer electronics, to automobiles, to infrastructure, to telecom, are testimony to this, where different, uh, you know, industry sectors and different organizations have provided, you know, very diverse learnings. And that has also taught me that the learning curve is never complete, right? No matter how much you think you're becoming a boss of one particular topic, but then, you know, the realities on the ground is always different. There is always scope to learn more and more. So, so you know, it's been uh, a very checkered but very learning-oriented journey in that sense. And two benefits or two learnings that, you know, coming back to your question that I have experienced and I can highlight for your benefit. Mm. One is, uh, you know, that a cross-industrial experience covers both brand management and product management very closely intertwined together as part of a marketing profile. This, I feel, is absolutely essential for any marketer to progress to leadership positions, right? Because marketing is not just about spending the advertising and promotional dollars. It's also about taking, uh, you know, revenue objectives. So that is one thing that I would like to highlight here. And the second thing is, when you move across industries, you invariably come across, uh, you know, and you handle multiple brand launches. And a brand launch experience in marketing is the ultimate learning experience. It's covering the entire gamut of activities across the marketing value chain. You know, you could start from creating a brand to creating brand awareness, to sustaining the brand, to working upon long-term objectives like attaining market leadership. So it's a very uh, comprehensive and, uh, you know, a brand launch experience actually covers uh, the marketing horizon across numerous activities. Hmm. So, so Atul, uh, you mentioned about uh, uh, brand launches, and you have launched so many brands, uh, be it in uh, telecom, be it uh, even anything television as well, right? Uh, yeah. With Videocon, Sansui. So, yeah. what goes into brand building? If you can throw some light on that. Yeah. Uh, So one needs to understand that brand building is a painstaking and a never-ending journey, right? Uh, 
So in essence, it's a step-by-step process that involves multiple actionables, numerous activities. But, uh, you know, for a, uh, to make it simple and for the benefit of your listeners, I, I can actually bucket them into three categories. And the first of those categories is brand diagnostics, you know, which essentially is a brand discovery. You know, you understand thoroughly what is the external and internal ecosystem of the brand. And I actually have always tried to do that through four very basic questions. Uh, the two of them are what's and two of them are why's, right? So why one is why does the brand in itself exist? Why two is why should people care about your brand? So you begin by asking these questions. And then there are two what's as well. What differentiates your brand from others? And what problem does the brand seek to solve, right? So once, hmm. uh, you know, implicit in these questions are certain key steps to create the brand blueprint, right? And there are certain elements that you will undertake and understand to create the blueprint. Uh, things like what is the competitive landscape? What are the market and category trends? What is the profile of your target audience, right? What is your brand SWOT? Uh, what is the brand tone and voice that you would like to undertake? What is your brand story in terms of a cohesive narrative that you would like to project? So it all starts with the very first step, which is brand diagnostics. Then you go to the second step, uh, which is creating an identity for your brand, which uh, and one of the first things here is very critical, which is you establish what is your brand mission and vision, right? And this is critical in the sense that as you go ahead, you know, all your activities are going to tie back into this brand mission and vision. So knowing the purpose of the brand will actually define the journey of the brand. Right. So once you are able to uh, do that, uh, you know, you can take an example for Nike, right? Nike's mission is to bring inspiration, you know, and also innovation to every athlete in the world. Right. So, yeah. so, so, so if you, you know, watch Nike's communication and activities today and study that, you'll be able to tie all of them back into this, right? In fact, they go even a step further. They add a footnote. They say, if you have a body, you are an athlete, right? So think about how they are widening the horizon of your target audience. And, and then they go ahead and attack it. So that's how important a brand mission and vision is because it provides a direction for the brand, not in immediate times, but in years to come, right? And then you follow it up by creating a value proposition, uh, you know, visual identity, brand norms, right? Because, um, uh, you know, a positioning, it may also entail a positioning statement that uh, signifies what is the USP of your brand. So in essence, what I'm trying to tell you is uh, that it starts with brand diagnostics, which is a brand blueprint and a brand discovery journey. Uh, then it starts with creating the brand tenets, brand norms, brand vision and mission, which and which becomes the identity of the brand. And then you follow it up with a third and the final step, which is uh, the 
go to market or the brand marketing strategy right hmm. so when you make a brand marketing strategy it is essentially a go to marketing strategy it uh, entails things like your media mix like uh, you know your communication fine tuning your creative development your uh, budget creation yeah you the road map of your budget utilization your digital and content strategy and things like that which is mainly taking things to the last mile and trying to create a connect with the actual beneficiaries or the actual consumers so these three steps uh, rushab are uh, i feel very critical and very integral in fact to the brand development process well atul i think you've uh... you know illustrated in a you know, very very simple way uh, and i'm sure these three things uh, are are for for the students who are listening us live it's like a textbook experience that you're providing to them right uh, step wise uh, to learn so that's a very interesting thing but having said that atul any specific challenges that you can share about the brands that you have launched right any any specific challenges uh, when it came to spreading out the message that you went across yes. that you faced over the years so uh, i was actually uh, trying to uh, you know i in uh, somewhere before in my conversation i mentioned to you is that changing sectors is not very comfortable yeah. decision to do because you learn all the way and sometimes uh, you know when it comes to industry learnings you need to start from scratch so you know uh, tying up your question with this very fact um, so i was the national product manager years back for a brand called royal challenge right mm. uh, it is an iconic brand uh, in the liquor and beverage industry right and um, it used to be a market leader in the premium liquor segment at that point of time but uh, being a product manager there was in a liquor industry there was severe constraints you were not able to communicate uh about the liquor brand in the mass media due to government restrictions right mm, mm. so that became a great challenge um so one of the great learnings that happened because i was in that industry at that time was uh, launching how do you conceptualize and launch a surrogate brand right mm. so we worked around that challenge and uh, we took up golf as a property and uh, golf accessories as uh, you know um, the cornerstone for launching royal challenge golf and accessories as a surrogate brand for royal challenge and we actually went up to dubai and shot at the dubai golf course and things like that but then it was a big challenge and to launch a surrogate you know it starts with evaluating like which is the best fit it needs to Uh, fit the you know there needs to be a very strong brand fit for the surrogate right so you start from that the debate deliberate and then you open up a different line of business simply because you need to communicate on your core brand in a tangential or an oblique manner so that was a great challenge and uh, but the brand fit was so uh, you know tightly knitted that i am pleasantly surprised uh, you know that uh, i see communication about whenever i travel uh, i see communication about rc golf mm. and accessories still existing so it has stood the test of time so that just goes to show if there is a strong brand fit 
it will stand the organization in good stead and it will stand the brand uh, you know in on a long term sustainable basis interesting pretty interesting atulong this because that is very very true and it still uh, in the minds of so many consumers it still stays as it is so i think kudos to you uh, how you pulled this off uh, many many years back so uh, atul moving on uh, you know with the with the topic that we have right yeah. and uh, any shift in the consumer behavior that you have seen uh, post the pandemic and how has marketing changed in this new world if you were to say yes uh, so you know to answer your question i will uh, talk specifically with respect to changing consumer behaviors with respect to marketing right as the mm-hmm. pandemic has transformed almost all elements of our daily lives right so the topic is extremely broad but i would like to talk about very relevant aspects to marketing itself right so just like there is a new future of work i feel there is a new future of marketing in a mm. post pandemic scenario which signifies a fundamental change possibly forever in the way we will approach marketing to meet similar objectives of whatever we set out to do in terms of brand awareness lead generation consumer promotions uh, creating consumer bonding and things like that to ultimately grow and scale the business and this fundamental change is reflected in the most obvious transformation towards a digital first and a mobile first approach to marketing right mm. so that's point number 1 point number 2 is i am seeing a surge in e-commerce right and i feel that means a lot to marketing and uh, you know uh, it changes marketing dynamics to a great extent it is worth noting that a significant portion of the population including india has used e-commerce for the very first time during the pandemic right mm. so this is extremely significant right and and uh, it is significant because the indian e-commerce market is ex- you know ex- it has already exploded and uh, it, uh, you know analysts are predicting exponential growth from here on like uh, from today to 2025 it will be more than double that's what the predictions are for the e-commerce market right so much of one is there has been a surge in e-commerce the other is there has been a surge or an increase in internet and smartphone penetration as well right mm. and contrary to popular belief a large chunk of this internet uh, penetration surge has not just into um, urban areas but it is also percolated down into rural areas now right so this i think is a very significant development for marketers for marketing and for marketing strategy right uh, i'll 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 come to that uh, hmm. the third thing is uh, you know in an increasingly digital world behavioral changes will no longer be linear right they will continuously keep fluctuating and as you call as the you know the brand loyalty or the customer stickiness mm-hmm. will uh, big uh, keep on becoming a big issue the marketers and the marketing machinery in different organizations will continuously to be on their toes now right uh, 
a couple of more things. I feel the absence of touch and feel and uh, will, uh, you know, automatically lead to uh, preference for trusted brands, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because in the mindset and the consumer notion, you know, somewhere down the line, there will be a better comfort level. And finally, you know, uh, a plethora of choices, you know, like um, if, if I was to buy a TV for my household and I just go and Google and I say Diwali offers on, uh, you know, um, uh, TV brands and I get and I get such so many choices that I cannot decide. If I walk into one showroom or two showrooms or three showrooms, I will never get so many choices. So such a plethora of choices will facilitate, uh, you know, um, you know, a discretionary spending. Uh, it uh, may add on to consumer spending and hence it may add on to the economic growth as well as a healthy parameter. So these are five things that I feel, uh, you know, could uh, are very uh, are very akin to mm. defining changing consumer behavior in a post-COVID world for which you will require an overhaul of the marketing strategy for which you uh, technology and digital media platforms will play a much greater role in reaching out to consumer. Uh, marketers will now need to focus on facilitate, you know, how the transactional mode is working and uh, how do you digitally provide consumer experience. And here three keywords are very important. Number one, diversity, which relates to exponential increase, uh, you know, in the profile of the TG. An example I just gave you. Uh, personalization, um, large degree of personalization will come from laser-sharp targeting of the target, uh, uh, you know, audience. And obviously, a quicker go-to-market will become the norm. It will become a way of life. So this is how I feel consumer behavior will shape up, and this is how it will uh, define marketing in times to come. I think very well uh, illustrated, Atul, on this. So picking picking, uh, on on what you mentioned, so uh, how do brands stay relevant now, right? When when so many industries are being reshuffled in this world, and you mentioned being mobile first uh, uh, generation, right? So many brands, new brands are coming across as well. So what yeah. about the existing brands? Uh, how do they keep on reinventing? Yeah. So you know, when we talk about a post-COVID world, we have to keep one constant. Uh, you know, it is such a big constant today that if you repeat it, it uh, you know becomes a uh, you know, it become it, it looks like it is past, you know. So basically in this new digital age, existing brands, as you are saying, they must recognize their strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Which allowed them to be where they are today. And then they should build upon those strengths and perhaps reinvent some of those to be more in line with the digital future, right? So in essence, uh, you know, for brands to be relevant, in our digital world, our digital branding strategy becomes paramount, right? So when you talk about a digital branding strategy, uh, you know, certain key tenets every marketer should keep in mind. 
Number one, it's all about data, data, and data, right? Mm. Uh, individual personalization and presumably better consumer experience through the use of tech-led marketing automation will be the order of the day, right? That's what I feel, and that's what the existing brands need to progress towards to survive in today's world and uh, keep in tune with much younger brands, right? Secondly, content has taken preeminence over creativity, right? This is my personal experience, right? Three C's, as I call it, have become very important. Create, curate, and cultivate. So, you know, over the past years, typically any ad agency would focus on the look and feel, the imagery. But today, the marketeers have have has all gone in the background that remains important but the prime focus for any creative begins with how good or you know how ordinary the content is so that is a second defining change that all marketers should keep in mind thirdly in today's date high frequency is high visibility and this actually arises out of the digital media where it gives you, uh, you know, much more, uh, you can say, leverage uh, to be on a high frequency mode at a lesser cost. So this is a big shift from the advertising campaigns of, say, yesteryears, when once a month or once a quarter, you would see a big advertising campaign in print and TV coming in from one big brand. Mm. I think that's all over now. And uh, today we are actually in a situation where we will need to have a content and creative factory that delivers almost daily, right? And, you know, once the pandemic struck, and this is something that I noticed and brands have done very successfully, some of them, is how do you align your brand with the current issues? Mm. You know, so that's how, you know, this is the new way of creating more and more engagement. I just remember that commercial from Coke, it was called the human race, you know, and it just hit uh, the social media platforms shortly after the pandemic struck, maybe a few months after that. And uh, it was a the human race was an inspiration AV that talked about, uh, you know, something that was the hot issue of the times. And it really cut an emotional cord with all the people. And it said things like, for every act of selfishness, there are thousands of selfless ones. For every Mm. school that closes, more classrooms are open. For every barrier that is set up, there are boundaries that are torn down. You know, and then it actually ends the commercial by saying, Thank you for filling the glass with kindness and hope, right? Mm. So this is, uh, and uh, it has an, it had an electric effect, right? Coke could have easily talked about how it has reduced the sugar content and it could have easily shown some celebrity endorsers that they have on their portfolio. But this is a unique way to actually create long-standing and long-service consumer bonding. So this becomes very important in the digital age. And finally, you know, uh, 
one more thing that comes to my mind is that the data shows that as choices and as channels increase and mushroom in this digital age, brand trustworthiness is more important to consumers than ever before, right? Mm-hmm. So consumers need to see you walk the talk. I mean, it's plain and simple, right? Rather than indulge in jargons and, uh, you know, have verbose and so the more and more, uh, you know, testimonial-led or fact-led campaigns that you do in a, in a world where, you know, the physical uh, touch scenario has reduced digitally, uh, reduced uh, significantly, and perhaps will never go back to the old era again. In that scenario, I think walk the talk and showing consumers that you know, you mean what you say is absolutely important. So again, these are five things that uh, come to my mind as to how existing brands can rewire and uh, retune themselves in a post-pandemic scenario to stay relevant and not just to stay relevant, but to also uh, be in tune with the times and grow and uh, do much better than what they were doing earlier. So, Atul, you made, you made a very, very interesting points on this, right? And if I were to pick on that Coke ad that you mentioned, right? Now, uh, there are so many different campaigns being created by different brands. So yes. What is the importance of these cultural sensitivities that needs to be kept in mind while launching these communications? Because you could see so many ads of late who were being pushed back, right? Uh, they were being trolled on social media, be it Tanish ad, Zomato, or the recent ones like Sabya. Satya's Mangal Sutra campaign, Fab India, Dabur's campaign. Uh, so if you can uh, throw some light on that as well, yeah. the cultural sensitivity part. Yeah, so I won't go into the, you know, the merits or the demerits, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a moot question and um, there is very little learning there. Uh, there is one section that is... On, uh, divided on one side of the opinion, there is another section that is divided on the um, other side of the opinion. But what I would like to quickly and very briefly talk about here is like, what is a marketeer? What do you need to keep in mind as far as the sensitivities are concerned when you communicate, as your question implies, right? Yeah. The cultural, the demographic, and the religious sensitivities, basically, right? So there have been four such instances in the recent past with brands like Fab India, Zomato, Dabur, Tanishk was also there, right? Hmm. So I would say that as a marketeer and to all the young people who are uh, listening to this, the best rule of the thumb is to use a bit of common sense, right? Uh, You know, when you use common sense, you will you know, you may want to say the same thing and you will successfully say it uh, while keeping some sensitivities in mind, right? Like uh, if, if we were living in the US today, right, perhaps these ads would have flown without any controversy, right? But a more of a race-led ad in the US would create more controversy, right? So hmm. a marketer should be aware where is he living, where is his communication targeted, with geography, what are the, uh, you know, the sensitivities of that particular society and culture involved and do a balancing act. So when I say common sense, 
I'm also saying not to be too defensive, but at the same time, not to don't go overboard in uh, being defensive so that, you know, you are so hellbent on being politically correct that your brand messaging is affected, right? So the key is to maintain that balance. And that balance comes with expertise and experience, right? Mm. The, the experience uh, will obviously be there with uh, the brand managers and the product managers and the marketing heads. And the expertise will be there with the ad agencies. So you need to maintain a balance and then move ahead. I would also go to the extent to say wherever the ad demands, it doesn't, uh, it does no harm to do some kind of a research, right? Like origin of the words, origin of the phrases, uh, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, some research on some specific traditions, research on some laws or the rule in that particular country, how does the law state on that? So a bit of a research uh, would also help. So this is, uh, it's a difficult question. So this is a difficult answer to a difficult question. So Atul, uh, I think there's an interesting question in the chat box uh, by Milan, uh, one of yeah. our listeners. And I wanted to uh, read that out for you. So he's asking that this question is not res- with respect to pandemic, but he, he's asking what is more important, uh, you know, marketing or sales? Because a lot of brands spend so much money on marketing and forget delivering value through their products. Yeah. And he would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, so I personally see sales and marketing as two sides of the same coin. Right. Um, in many organizations, if as young people, if you want to get into organizations like the Levers, like Nestle, like Cadbury's, right? you won't get into marketing directly. You'll have to go through the sales route. So that's how important sales is, right? So, you know, um, what I would say is, uh, you know, sales and marketing are two, uh, you know, uh, they are basically the left hand and the right hand of a body, which is uh, like the organization. And both need to go into uh, sync with each other. There's going to be no handshake if sales is belittled or marketing is belittled. The second thing, quick answer to your question is marketing uh, cannot be potent and powerful enough without uh, inputs from the sales functions, right? So if my marketing approach throughout has been I the most the apart from the customer feedback, the most valuable feedback comes from the field because these are the guys who are on day-to-day touch with the customers, right? So if you are taking their feedback and building them into your marketing strategy, you know, you are you are mitigating the chances of, you know, going wrong to a large extent. So they're two sides of the same coin. They are the left left and right hands of the same body. They need to go together. And it depends on which organization you get into. If you get into, uh, you know, some very specific examples, it will, you can't get into marketing without taking a sales experience, right? So the, I hope I have been able to answer your question. 
like uh, very well explained atul on that and uh, navita has asked a question and i think you've already answered so navita uh, she was asking that in this world when customers are responding to the services and products post pandemic has shifted a lot how do brands evolve themselves so i think you've already taken that up about uh, the existing brands Yes. So I'll take another question from Rahul, uh, who's uh, one of our listeners, and he's asking, "How vital is social media for internal sales in the post-COVID marketing world?" Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about it uh, as we went ahead in our conversation, but since you have preempted this as a question, um, the answer is absolutely important. Uh, you know, it is going to be. one of the most critical cog in the communication wheel for any marketing team uh social media has actually exploded once the pandemic has struck and you know the social media response and the strategies to social media have become much and more much and you know more and more intense as of today okay so um, so it is very important but uh, you know the answer looks frivolous what i would actually go ahead and say further to that is it's not easy to understand which target audience resides and patronizes which social media platform in a more predominant manner and we have done research on that and somehow it belies expectations right your common sense like uh, one one of you know in my profile one of the target audiences are students uh, who you know from not such higher strata of society from the lower income group and they are children of uh, blue collar workers basically so we do something with them uh, you know and we were always thinking that these are the facebook kind of guys and you know uh, these are the platforms but once we did the research and once we asked them and it is coming from the horse's mouth we realized to our surprise that most of them patronize instagram as their top medium right mm. so till the time you don't know that your marketing strategy needs to uh, will go wrong and you might focus your energies your resources and your bandwidth on a wrong platform and hence a wrong audience so to answer the question in a nutshell social media is extremely important but uh, like everything else the social media landscape is changing changing very fast uh, so you have to be constantly aware of the fact which platform whether it is linkedin facebook insta or you know youtube where does your target audience lie and then you can uh, strategize and how to target them mm-hmm. interesting so atul uh, there is a different perspective that udit has asked he is asking a different question here He's asking mm-hmm. how is marketing any different in a non profit sector and what are the factors that you evaluate while doing any marketing in a non profit setup right uh, so 
I actually wrote an article, uh, I think, in uh, Business World very recently as about the key tenets of marketing in the not-for-profit sector. Uh, one of the, so, the you know, there are multiple things, but just to answer your question crisply, uh, one of Atul, we lost you. I'm uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. So one of the questions uh, that you ask yourself in the not-for-profit world is who are your stakeholders, right? And how... Yeah, so what I actually mean is that there is no competition in this, right? So when you look at your, uh, whichever area and whichever function you are in, you look at how do you increase with your network, your uh, net worth, with like-minded people, right? And you are constantly on the lookout. So partnerships become very important in the not-for-profit sector. Competition is non-existent, right? Uh, communication is focused on your to your beneficiaries. In this case, the customers are the beneficiaries. So, uh, you know, when you are uh, actually doing some marketing in the not-for-profit sector, it is more about validation, testimonials. It's more about, uh, you know, how... Uh, it's more about how these people are being impacted through your efforts in a positive manner. So that's what creates the emotional connect. That's what... It's not applicable to us, but in the not-for-profit world, that's what actually gets the funding dollars. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the approach is customers versus beneficiaries, uh, competition versus like-minded partners, and uh, constantly looking to expand your network. And, uh, you know, while other organizations would, uh, you can say, evaluate you vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the revenue that you generate. In this, you are evaluated vis-a-vis -vis the impact that you create. Hmm. I think very well illustrated uh, the differences, Atul. So that's yeah. another interesting question. I think our listeners are very interactive and they're, they're posing some nice questions. And Mahikshit has asked uh, another nice question. And he's asking yeah. about technology or the solutions that helps in consolidating and moving quicker. But at the same time, he's also freeing up marketing resources. So how this trend of doing more with less is set to continue post-COVID arena? Uh, your voice was not clear, Vishap. Could you kindly repeat the question? Sure. So Mahikshit, he's asking that as we have seen, sir, technology or its solutions help in consolidating and move quicker. But at the same time, it is also freeing up marketing resources to apply elsewhere. So how this trend of doing more with less is set to continue post-COVID arena? Um, see, uh, 
when it comes with more with less i don't know if it is the right trend that is being mentioned right because um, in a post covid world i feel that the resources uh, more and more resources would be pumped in and the trend has already started right but what will happen is let me answer that question a bit differently with the increasing use of technology uh, you know your uh, focus on the target audience and the customer that you want to reach will be laser sharp it will avoid uh, a lot of duplication and a lot of wastage factor so in effect it will um, you know stretch the value of the marketing spend and the value of the uh, you know your marketing and advertising budgets uh, it will stretch that value so that from the same uh, budgets available you are able to conduct uh, and uh, reach to many more people that's what technology is going to do and that's what technology does it allows you to scale up and it allows you to scale up very fast right um secondly as an as we are looking into more of a digital world uh, the marketing automation is becoming absolutely important right so and uh, digital advertising by its very nature is much more cost effective right hmm. so i was reading somewhere that you can you can reach uh, many more customers at 60% of the cost right you can reach i think three times more customers at 60% of the cost because the uh, you know very concept of digital advertising is that it allows you to pause to take a breath to evaluate Uh, you know where how is their progress going if you are going on the right track or if you don't feel you are going on the right track it allows you to pause and take corrective measure uh, and then restart the campaign all over again so one is uh, basically the very digital media itself it will help you give those cost efficiencies second is marketing automation will avoid uh, duplication and uh, give you efficiencies of scale and uh, avoid the wastage factor basically like if you are advertising in the print there is a whole lot of readers whom you don't need right mm. so uh, but here you know through your profiling you through your back end campaigns where you can specify very clearly what is the age group which city you want to focus on so everything you can specify and at a much lesser cost you can go and reach them and then you have the opportunity to evaluate that midway through the campaign it's not like an arrow that has left the bow right uh, like when you release a print campaign or a tv campaign uh, so you so th- so th- i i think uh, coming back to the question which in essence meant how do you optimize your resources i think there is great scope to optimize resources through these things so uh, something similar atul what you were mentioned rithvik has asked uh, and if i were to ask that one what do you think is the future for traditional ways of marketing then because everything is moving towards digital so yeah. what is your sense on that yeah so uh, you know i uh, you i if you see the advertising spends right which are a great indicator of where the various uh, modes of uh, 
you know where the different media and their importance is actually leading to right the key indicator is where the advertising spend movement is going so if you see from 2020 2016 to 2021 the digital advertising has actually risen by around more than double from 12 to close to 30% right um the tv advertising has remained static it has grown but now it has it is slated to be static the print advertising has you know gone down heavily right mm. uh so you know uh, from say around 35% in 2021 it has gone down to 23% that's the share of the pie of print advertising and i'm not talking about cinema and radio you know because they are very small chunk of that pie so if you see this uh, this is trend clearly relates to the classical or the old way of advertising uh, from a marketer's perspective you know you will focus on two media one is uh, television and the other is digital print will remain but print obviously the old school traditional style of advertising where you need to talk too much where you need to compare say an automobile brand and compare the specs with another brand i mean so it is more of a uh, you could say um, issue based and topical based advertising that will define its presence in print print will reduce heavily so from the old school scenario where every brand necessarily had to be in print and tv it is not going to happen now every brand necessarily will be on digital and perhaps on tv not necessarily on print hmm interesting so the marketing money is being reevaluated in a way so yeah, because that's a very good indicator of you know uh, where which media is uh, losing importance and where uh, you know which media is gaining prominence and the good uh, the yardstick comes from the advertising budgets mm, mm. true true so uh, atul uh, on the, on that uh, if you were to move forward uh, radha has asked this question that with with the pandemic right how things have changed uh, what about jobs in sales and marketing for freshers how do you see things opening up uh, post the pandemic yeah so uh, the answer to that is uh, see i'm not a hr professional but the answer to that is uh, i think the way to look at it is which sectors have benefited number one from the pandemic number two which sectors are now um, you know recoiling and you know able to uh, you know g- going back to pre pandemic days and number 3 which sectors have really suffered and it will take you know years and years for them to come back to their old state so if you see uh, i think it's it's not sales and marketing because sales and marketing as a function will always remain in organizations it's more of which sectors you need to target for your sales and marketing endeavors um i feel e-commerce ed tech health and health tech you know uh, these are uh, sectors that are booming now and uh, you know 
if you need to get into sales and marketing and the, this these sectors are also littered with startups there's lots of opportunities there on the other side of the coin if you look at sectors like travel and tourism the brick and mortar part of retail the restaurant segment the automotive segment right even the apparel and the fashion segment these are segments that have been the worst hit right so uh, i as a fresher as a you know person wanting to en- enter the corporate world into the field of sales and marketing i feel one needs to be aware of which sectors uh, because at the end of the day uh it's not about entering into a job it's all about sustaining into the job and growing from there so in today's time it pays to be careful because these are extraordinary circumstances mm-hmm. so uh, atul i think mahikshit has uh, written again in the chat box and so mahikshit what you are saying is uh certain things have become easier for some businesses and if we talk about those specific businesses we'll see they have realized how with less resources we can create the same impact so with regards to that how can we utilize that chunk of talents in the post covid arena so are you meaning uh, the resources when you say are you referring to people are you referring to money and which all industries you're talking about i would request if you can raise your hand and come to the speaker panel it will be far more easier i would suggest In the meantime, Atul, Yash has asked an interesting question uh, yeah. in the chat box, and he's asking that startups generally, right, the approach that they have evaluating the marketing, it's from an ROI standpoint, right, generating leads, customers. So in that case, what? Sorry, but building that takes a lot of time in a new setup. So what can be some of the of the other evaluating factors that are not so tangible? um i the question is not clear uh, one thing i understand is that most of the in the startup world they are focused on lead generation and more of uh, business related marketing hmm. but that takes time right i mean uh, so they focus okay. on leads and customers but okay building that takes a lot of time so what okay. are the other factors that could be considered uh, by these startups okay uh so first of all uh, you know what you are talking about is actually performance marketing and uh, performance marketing is number one not limited to startups uh, it is uh, it's there uh, being used heavily in the corporate world it's being used heavily in, even in the not for profit world right so uh, and the second thing is that it takes a lot of time to get traction so that Uh, in, with increased marketing automation, that's also not true, right? Uh, what do you need to initiate and get traction from performance marketing? In common parlance, it's activities like lead generation, etc. So, what you need is you need to get your target audience profiling absolutely right. You need to have your program and its dynamics absolutely right. you need to have your communication tailor made to the segment that you are targeting and then uh, you need to know which media to target for what kind of a program and what kind of leads you are looking at if you have these basics ready which any organization looking into lead gen and performance marketing does so it's not a time consuming job you need to start it's a time consuming job to scale up so it doesn't make sense Uh, to say that um, 
you know you will start small so you will not start because one fine day you need to start so the sooner you start the better it is especially if you are in the field of getting leads and getting uh, you know for your programs because without that the you know your programs won't run so uh, so these are some of the key tenets and performance marketing is very big across the corporate world and uh, there are a lot of specialist agencies now looking specially into performance marketing it is a very uh, integral part of any digital marketing agency today so i personally feel i could have answered your question but i would like to negate the question itself and get your thoughts clear that it's you know it's not such a big deal to start if your basics are in place and number 2 it's if that is the objective then you should start asap because it takes time if today this month you are targeting 100 leads then only you can think of 200 leads the next month thank you atul for that uh, we have mahikshit uh, on a speaker panel and mm-hmm. he had written uh, a long text on it so uh you know if if uh, he speaks on his own so it will be easier to comprehend the question mahikshit please go ahead with your question a uh, good day sir thank you so much for this opportunity and uh, i would like to uh, first of all mention uh, a lot about uh, atul sir i have really uh, learned a lot uh, as how he speaks how he answers is really overwhelming so i have learned a lot in that uh, secondly what i have asked to uh, you sir like uh, we were we were just looking at uh, the scenario past two years where we were <laughs> just looking at those resources which are mean to be used but the thing is we don't have that much uh, either the money aspect or probably uh, things were locked down everywhere in the pandemic so we were uh, very much in a lockdown position we were not uh, about to think that what to do how to utilize this resources how to connect to the people who are way av- ahead in that scenario so i would uh, wanted to know from your sp- your perspective that uh, how the things would be now onwards like when the things would be fine companies would be opening so how to tackle with those situations like as we have seen the situation where uh, we were using less resources we were optimizing things but then again we were like uh, making sure that it creates that impact which were which we are looking for so how we yeah. can utilize those talent how the people have grown as per their own uh, like perspective they have grown on the, on the basis of their work they have grown on the basis of their culture so how we can use that in any company or any startup right uh, so parikshit uh, you know uh, first of all thank you for your kind words um, so uh, to answer your question you know i'd uh, you know uh, i'd like to paint a much more rosy picture than you know uh, your thought process and i would urge you to uh, there is there are three periods one is the pre pandemic period one second is the pandemic period and the third is the fast upcoming post pandemic period many people say it's already there now right so what you are talking about as i understand is you know people who struggled in the pandemic period and organizations who struggled now what is what's going to happen now right so my take is that uh, the economic recovery and the sector wise recovery has already begun and it has begun in a much big way you to say for example if you talked about startups you will be surprised to know that in 2021 alone and 2021 by the way hasn't ended till now 
30 startups have made it to the unicorn club in 2021 can you believe that right True. so 30 startups have uh, hit the 1 billion dollar mark uh, you know uh, and we are now seeing ipos of three major startups somato uh, ptm and then there is another one yeah byju's right so three big ipos are now coming up Uh, now how these guys have reached the unicorn stage because the funding scenario has increased right uh, what is happening to aviation the you know the sectors are opening up now uh, what is happening to various industries you seeing a great positive sentiment so now coming back to your question uh, you know i think your question was times are tough so how what do these people how do they optimize your resources all i'm saying is uh, people who have dug in their heels like we we actually handle and we support a lot of smes right for the uh, almost 18 months we have taught them how to dig in their heels how to optimize their resources how to go lean and for startups lots of them we taught them how to do a temporary pivot right and then come back to their core area of competence once uh, you know the tough times get over so we are already reaching that stage and people who have dug in their heels will rule the roost coming back to jobs there is a in many sectors there is a job shortage you know across the globe uh, organizations are looking for indian software engineers today right uh, in many organizations the hr people are telling me now there is a huge turnover happening because there is an uptick in the sentiment and people are now going back to previous times when they could resign they could get higher income jobs so people who have actually dug in their heels are all uh, you know uh, so it's not about talent and how do they optimize their resources it's all about patience perseverance learning the ropes uh, upskilling during these tough times and now taking leverage of the tough times that they have gone through to uh, grow ahead i know a number of people who are now going in higher salaries so there is an uptick uh, so i you know i'm answering your question in a different manner but i thought i'll make this clear to you oh, very well explained atul you should thought, look yeah. more at the pre pandemic time now that time has come when you should look more at the pre pandemic time than at the pand then what happened during the pandemic that's that's perfect sir like i have learned a lot and uh, thank you so much for considering my question sir i have learned a lot uh, seriously the thing is sir i wanted to mention uh, one line which i have read somewhere in a book or so mm-hmm. where it it was mentioned that uh, there is a time when you learn and there is a time when you enjoy what you have learned so i think that was the perspective of your answer where we have seen like how we have digged on certain challenges we have come across many different things which we have succeeded to so i think that's the time where uh, we were learning we were struggling but now it's a time for many who, who can actually enjoy what they have learned uh, with regard to the job with regard to what you're saying is uh, uh, like there are many intakes going on or different companies so i think that's perfect and to answer your question slightly differently as well i mean uh, i didn't 
touch upon that aspect because it's it does not necessarily relate to the pandemic and that is mm. something yeah. very big in the corporate world today and mm-hmm. that is that is called as upskilling right yeah upskilling reskilling and multi skilling most organizations are actually investing in that today because uh, you know the very nature of jobs is changing now right so uh, you, you know if you want to stay relevant uh, and your job has become irrelevant then you need to learn something new to be relevant so these so, so that's also happening and that's also a very positive sign that organizations are doing that for their employees so that tomorrow they don't get redundant ai is coming in uh, ml is coming in big data is coming in all in a big way and there will be lots of jobs that will become redundant right so uh, you know and and many organizations are also uh, upskilling people on what we call as employability or soft skills teamwork communication so uh, you know so there are lots of positives happening where people can now go back to offices and uh, you know look back at the difficult times and they sh- they will be in a position to appreciate the present in a much better way i feel true true atul i think very well explained and illustrated i had asked you for one hour of your time atul and so before you leave one last advice if you could share uh, with so many students who are listening us live today yeah uh, so this is not marketing related but i'm sure uh, many of the listeners today will be now getting into the corporate world right and uh, getting into a working mode just two things come to my mind which is not an advice but uh, they are just suggestions one i would like to say it's uh, you know it has been said before also but it's absolutely important that is that there are no shortcuts right going through the grind will help you become a much better professional the most successful people have been through the most intense grinding process take no shortcuts go into the working mode and the corporate world with the mindset that you know you need to uh, uh, go through the grind i know you know i remember one of the chairman of hindustan unilever he started his career by selling soaps and shampoos going on bullock carts to rural uh, to shops in rural india imagine the learning he would have taken uh, when he would be sitting in the boardroom uh, taking decisions strategic decisions that navigate the course of an organization so there are no shortcuts you have to learn and you have to learn the hard way and the second thing is uh, the learning curve is never complete i mean the faster all of you understand the better it is learn learn and learn and the best way to do that is to keep asking questions wherever you are if you don't understand anything don't be afraid to ask question due to the fear of looking stupid right as i always say today stupidity could be tomorrow's wisdom so please uh, never inhibit your learning process uh just because what somebody else may think about me keep asking because uh, you know that's how you know you will learn and grow so these are a couple of things rushab i wanted to state well uh, atul it was superb speaking to you 
uh, didn't realize where this one hour went away. Right, and sure. thank you for your time, Atul. Uh, it's a Diwali week, and uh, still you agreed, and you know, for this session. And I'm sure the students learned a lot as well, uh, listening to you live, and also the ones who listen to the podcast later. But thank you for your time, and it was lovely having you here on backstage. Thank you, Rishab, and I want to take this opportunity to wish. all the attendees uh, very happy diwali in advance and uh, if anybody has any questions or needs any assistance please please feel free to reach out through rushad and uh, we are always there to guide and mentor thank you thank you atul thank you to all the listeners and happy diwali in advance to everybody thank you